Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Lord Jesus, this morning we come to you and we want to offer ourselves to you. We want to hear from you through your holy word and we want to respond to whatever your spirit says to us. Help with that not just to be words, but actually something we really settle on now. We're going to do what Jesus says. Just speak to us, Lord, and we'll obey. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Um, so, I hope you're all all right. Uh, yesterday, we had an amazing prayer day in here. More of that in a moment. But uh, I managed to get home in time for the second half of England against the magnificent San Marino. Score was San Marino's nil, England 10. And uh, England didn't play the best team. And San Marino are supposed to be the worst international team ever in the history of the game. There are more people would fit in Wembley Stadium than in the whole of the uh, tiny little principality of San Marino. And um, they're all like plumbers and carpenters and their big thing is. And, but San Marino have actually won one game, did you know that? In their entire international history. In 1984, they beat Liechtenstein 1-0. And there was national celebration amongst these 67,000 Lithuanians. No, um, they're San Marinoians. And uh, they also drew once, 0-0. That was like the second greatest moment in their international history. I mean, they are terrible. They are so bad, it's unbelievable, and it's ridiculous that they're even allowed to, you know, compete for the World Cup, uh, and they're never going to qualify, they're never going to win a game, and they've won one game in all their history. But I, it made me think, you know, some Christians are a little bit San Marino in their mindset. You know, they're like, totally, we're going to lose. We're going out, we know we're going to lose. We're going to give it our best shot. We'll try hard, but we know we're on the losing team. Maybe we can look back to the glory days of Spring Harvest 1984 when our church won one or two people. Maybe there was a time, you know, we went through a few months and we managed to just sort of hold our ground like a, a nil-nil draw. And that's who we are, you know, we're just moving forward with full expectation that we're going to lose ground, we're going to go backwards, but, you know, I'll be the faithful centre-half. No, that is not you, Christian. You're on the winning team. You're on the greatest team the world's ever seen, Team Jesus. And we're going all the way. And Jesus said, I'm going to build a church. And the church has advanced through history. And heaven will be populated and hell will be plundered, and we're sick and tired of living in the one tiny poxy bit of San Marino. Well, you know, so much of the world is like Brazil, if you get me. Now, it is clearly a weird time to be a Christian at the moment, and you can, if you want to be, a glass-half-full Christian, which is seeing all these new people come to church. I mean, I've never known a season when so many random people are rocking up to church. Everywhere I go, I hear, certainly any faithful church, any church that's on the front foot of mission, is just seeing new people added in unprecedented numbers. Or you can be a glass half empty Christian. You know, what about, where are all my flock ever going to come back? Are the Christians ever going to come back? What about those flaky people who've got used to just sitting in front of a computer on a Sunday morning in the gym jams? Are they ever going to come back? You know, there's a kind of, it's a weird season, isn't it? And I saw this pastor's survey, 
admittedly it was from the US, but uh, I believe it would be the same if they did a similar survey in the UK. And right now, 50% of pastors actually want to give up. They would sack off the pastorship if they could just find another way of earning a living. 70% of the pastors surveyed are suffering from depression. Not like fed up, not like have a, having some bad days, but suffering from depression. And maybe even more sad, 80% of them said it's significantly affecting their family life. So, wow, there's an attack on Christian leadership, isn't there? I was on this uh, Zoom call on last Friday, I get together every Friday, well never I can, every Friday morning, we've been doing it right the way through lockdown, and I get together with sort of senior leaders across the city, and um, I, I hope you won't guess who this is by me saying this, but you know, on the call is all sorts of people who are doing amazing things in the city, but one guy who probably you say his church is just amazing, full of life, he, he said on the call, he said, I'm dealing with so much rubbish at the moment. Please pray for me. And my heart went out to this lovely brother. There was another guy on the call who we were starting to talk a bit about burnout. And he said, I'm like world expert in terms of burnout. I know this guy, you know, had six months off work recently, burnt out, depressed, you know, and surely that's not the way it's meant to be, is it? Surely in a season like this when the harvest is on. And so Paul knew all about it. So he wrote a letter, and uh, he wrote a letter, and I believe particularly 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which is where we're up to today, if you've got a Bible. He's speaking to the church, but as he repeatedly says in this chapter, we do not lose heart. He's also speaking to his own soul, because Paul knows the temptation to become disheartened, discouraged, in, even in despair. Paul had experienced all that weird stuff with Christians questioning his motives and, and his credentials. He'd seen that soul-crushing stuff of, of some of his best converts backsliding and getting apathetic. You know, a, a couple of weeks' time or whenever, it, whenever we get there, we'll get to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul boasts about his sufferings. What a fun-filled morning that's going to be, as we hear about beatings and stonings and whippings. I hear about being shipwrecked and in danger here, there, and everywhere. We hear about an evangelist called to the mission field who experienced hunger and even nakedness for the name of Jesus. Uh, but in verse 28 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this fascinating little nugget. Besides all this, after this horrendous list of sufferings, he says, Behind, besides all this, I face the daily pressure. So every day, it was doing Paul's head in. The daily pressure of what? My concern for the churches. And all these churches I've planted. And all these stories of them going back to stupid religion. And coming up with rules and regulations. Slipping back into their old religious ways. Paul experienced downright satanic opposition and persecution. He also experienced that soul killer of the lack of finances. You know, I, I had, I reckon, 20 years at the start of the message. And for the first 10 years, I used to boast, I must have been such an annoying person at these Christian conferences about 
God coming in at the 11th hour, 59th minute, in the amount of times I'd seen, you know, the day before payday, miraculous provision, and God had always provided. And then about, tw- about 15 years ago, God stopped providing at 11.59 and started providing at 5 past 12 in the morning. You know, basically the finance came in late. We paid our bills, but it wasn't on time and we couldn't pay the salaries. I remember the devastating time we had to cancel an event called Planet Life way back. You know, we were seeing, we had the Apollo Theatre booked and uh, we knew thousands of kids would come and hundreds would be saved. You know, that was the track record. It was an incredible event for the city way back. And we had to cancel it. Couldn't afford it. Trustee came to see what you're doing spending 25 grand on that and we've got no money in the bank. We can't pay the salaries. That's horrible. It just was awful. But Paul experienced that too because Paul was not a tent-making missionary. I'm convinced of it. There was a time, you track it through the book of Acts. There was a time when the provision didn't flow. Even though Jesus had called him to this on the Damascus Road, he hadn't called him to be a tent maker who did a bit of mission on the side. And that is okay. Some people are called to that, especially in persecuted situations where, you know, you've got to be a little bit under the radar to go in as a doctor or whatever, a teacher, but your heart is to win people for Jesus. That's cool. That's a tent-making missionary. Paul wasn't a tent-making missionary. Read it in Acts because what happened is he made tents and it must have been so annoying for him on his sewing machine when he's thinking about the Damascus Road and his encounter with Jesus calling him full-time to missions. So, you know, I'm going to show you, Paul. I'm going to send you as my witness to the Gentiles. He's making flipping tents. But then read what happened in Acts. The provision came from the saints in Macedonia so he could give himself full-time to the ministry of the word. So Paul knew all about these attacks that could allow you to lose heart. And so he wrote to Corinthians, and he wrote it for us. Because he says, we do not lose heart. He doesn't say, you don't lose heart. He says, we're not going to lose heart. We're in this together. Let me read it for you. Therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach, for, for what we preach is not Christ, sorry, for what we preach is not ourselves. Just edit that please, Ian. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the night light, the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. For we have all this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So, the reason Paul, despite everything he's facing, despite things that would lead others to burnout and depression and giving it off, sack it. I will go back to me tent making business full time. It's just too hard. The reason is because he knows where his ministry has come from. Verse one, I have this ministry through God's mercy and so we do not lose heart. It's by God's grace that we have 
this ministry. And this ministry, according to Paul, is a ministry of reconciliation and life. And the true ministry of Jesus Christ comes with power that keeps you going. That is a tedious ministry. If you like, it's the ministry Paul was in before. That ministry. You know, that ministry results in condemnation and death. That ministry is a soul crusher. There's no power in that ministry to keep you going when the going gets tough. I want this ministry, don't you? We have this ministry by the grace of God. I'm so glad we have our prayer days. I told you we had prayer day yesterday. It was ace. And I sometimes wonder if we hadn't decided on that discipline of once a month downing tools and all gathering together, sharing our stories, praying and worshipping, if I would have kept going. Maybe I would have been one of those statistics. Twice in the last week we've gathered. So good to be gathering with God's people. We gathered for the Greater Manchester Prayer Event. The passion in that room stirs up our faith together, going, yes, we are on the winning team. Yes, Jesus hasn't finished with us yet. There's marvelous things happening. We hear our stories. I'm telling you, it says in Hebrews 10.25, do not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. And it is so relevant for the church at the moment because many Christians are giving up the habit of meeting together. Now, I believe if you've got, you know, significant health issues that you can't gather together with God's people. Okay, the same God will give you supernatural strength the way he gives persecuted Christians in a prison cell. But if you can get together with your brothers and sisters to pray and worship and gather in his word, do it whatever you do, because you go off the boil. It'll kill your soul. You're meant to be with God's people. Well, do not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing, says Paul. Gather in his presence. And wow, it was amazing yesterday to be in this room and hear about the brilliant things that happen in Germany. Hear about no more knives. And we're back in school today. Um, loads of lessons today. and Telling young people about the peace of Jesus. And there'll be a knife amnesty and fully believing that hundreds of knives will be handed in. Uh, and there'll be a, on, on Friday at Blackburn Cathedral, there'll be an evangelistic event to a thousand kids, fully expecting hundreds to come to Christ. And some of those people will lay down the weapons that they would use for events that would cause chaos and carnage and potentially years in prison for them. Instead, they'll be picking up the cross and following the, the way of peace. Don't you love that? That's what we heard about yesterday. We had a mega testimony from our advance ambassador in Brazil, a guy who was, you know, who was basically dead in intensive care due to COVID. He died for 10 minutes, multiple, multiple times. They wanted to switch off the machines. They finally gathered all his family around his bed because he was done for, Wesley. Uh, he, he was done for this life. He was going to heaven. They gathered his, gathered his uh, and all his, all his stats went up. And he was there testifying that God had healed him. Absolute miracle. And a picture of him preaching uh, two days ago in this church with extra power because he's got this amazing testimony. Oh, and on it went, on it went all day. Absolutely brilliant things happening with Advance around the world. I've longed for a viral movement. Longed for, you know, one of our bands just to light up, be given that platform around the world. Or, or the message of Eden, you know, to, to just be spread, people moving. It's been beautiful to see hundreds of people do it. But I long for millions to hear about Eden. You know what I'm saying? Just like 
like just the, the incarnation of living amongst the poor, and on and on and on. I've just longed for that. God's decided it's going to be advanced. God's decided we're going to have this viral movement in 70 plus nations and in about a week's time, Ben Jack will fly off to Africa and have the opportunity to speak at this vast conference where expecting evangelists from every nation in Africa. And it's not just like Ben's doing a little two minute, you know, like, that would be enough, actually. He'd be amazed. We were flying to Kenya to have two minutes in this conference. He's got hours, and the final thing, the final charge at the end of this vast, perhaps the biggest evangelist conference in Africa for a generation is our boy Ben calling these people to multiply the gift to the evangelist. In every nation in Africa, wow, God's doing some mad stuff. And we were so built up and so in faith when we came out of that prayer day because we'd gathered in his presence and we'd been fueled and we'd been impassioned and we'd heard the stories of the things only God can do. I'm so glad we get to do that. We get to be reminded that our job is, and it should be on all our job descriptions probably, certainly should be on the job description in our heart for every one of us. Our job is not to distort the word of God but to set it forth plainly and commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Your job, you know, we've got all these ace bands, Soulbox, OTC, Amongst Wolves, Vital Size, Brightline. Your job is not to distort the word of truth, but to proclaim it plainly in language people can understand. Eden teams, that's your primary job. Of course we love the poor, we've got to. Jesus loves the poor. Of course we demonstrate it. Our groceries are basically just a platform, a platform so we can set forth the truth plainly in language people can understand. And that's what advance is all about, multiplying that. That's what our prison's work is all about. That's the job description, people, to just set forth the word of God plainly. And it stirred Paul up because he knew it's a world-changing message. It's his ministry. It's our ministry. It, it keeps us going. And yet also, interestingly, much as it's the most powerful message in the world that will be welcomed by many, it'll also be weirdly rejected by others. The gospel's true. It's historical truth. It's factual truth. It changes lives. If you do what it says in the book, you receive the benefits promised in the book in this life and for eternity. The gospel works. And yet, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there's a, a weird thing going on every time the gospel is proclaimed every time the word is set forth plainly it'll happen in school today it'll happen at our christmas events it'll happen in blackburn cathedral week on friday the god small g of this age the devil basically is at work and he's at work blinding the minds of unbelievers that's how paul described it he said our gospel's veiled to those people because the god of this age has blinded them Horrible thought, ain't it? Have anybody ever been to an Alpha Holy Spirit Day, you know, where absolutely God is on the move? We've done some belters. I've done dozens in my time, and we've done some absolute crackers where just ordinary people are just like, are you there, God? And God goes, Boom, and they're all weeping and falling on the floor and giving their life to Jesus. But there's always some weird person who's like, get me out of here. <laughs> God's like, you, the Holy Spirit is bouncing off the walls and there's some person and, you know, we had the most amazing service in here um, a couple of weeks ago and Daniel Eduardo did this epic invitation and lo lots of people became Christians and, 
and I knew this this biker guy had just turned up randomly because his his mate was uh, playing in the band. And at the end, I went up to this guy, and I fully expected him to be like, <laughs> "Where do I sign? Give my life to Jesus." I says, "Oh, what do you make of it tonight? Wasn't that amazing? Rubbish." Boy, it's not for me. All that happy clappy stuff, mate. Oh. And you know what he said? He said, I'm happy going down there. I said, don't be happy going down there, mate. He said, I've got my religion. It's my bikes, my biker mates. I'm, I'm, I'm like, mate, I promise you, that will not get you to heaven. And this guy had just been in the most epic service with God doing all these crazy things that he was the God of this age. He just blinded his mind. That can be discouraging. You know, that apathy in the face of God doing so much do you recognize it? Do you recognize it in your family? Do you recognize it in your friends and your neighbors? So discouraging. So easy to lose heart when faced with that. Yet, I believe we can see the veil lifted. It's a God thing, but we can cooperate. Because when, when people pray more for their friends and consistently pray, and the family, bit by bit, the veil's lifted. When people presence the love of Christ, just love on people, even though the hearts seem rock hard, veil gets lifted. When people sensitively share the gospel, look for that opportunity. Don't give up. Guess what? The veil gets lifted. And they can see the light of the gospel displayed in the glory of Christ. Don't give up doing these things. Whatever you do, commit to it afresh today. If there are people in your friends and family you've given up on, don't give up. Pray afresh. Write them down in your journal again. Keep praying. You know, I love the story I told her a couple of weeks ago in this place about, you know, this old boy, Dennis, who, this amazing prophet at Ivy, and uh, he went to heaven without seeing his son come to Christ. And then, through a watch the talk, through a bunch of amazing circumstances, then Dennis's son, Peter, came to Christ, I think about three weeks ago in our church. Well, I had the privilege of seeing him this week in our cafe. Oh, my goodness. I have literally never seen anybody so fired up for Jesus. He's like, I can't sleep, mate. I'm so excited. I came back from the Great Manchester Prayer event. I was so excited. I literally couldn't sleep. And he said, and I just threw my cigarette away and I spewed up on the pavement and I've not smoked since. This is the kind of thing. And he said, I'm just burning up all the time with the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm literally on fire and I want to tell everybody that moves about Jesus. This was a guy who for 50 years called himself an atheist and his dad never saw him to come through, but through prayer, presence, and proclamation, the veil was lifted, boom, and it's a sure sign of revival when we see people who don't just come to Jesus, it's that we can't follow them up because we can't keep up with them. You know, he doesn't need like, oh, here's your lesson about evangelism, because he's telling the whole world about Jesus, probably talking a load of rubbish, but the Lord's using him. Come on, Lord, do it more. Do it more. Lift veils. You know, revival is basically a mass lifting of the veils. Where the God of this age sees just millions of people. Suddenly, they can see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Don't you want that? For your family, well, it's, it's, I believe it's coming. If you've got eyes to see. I am a glass half full Christian. 
can see all these new people. There's never been a season when it's been easier to talk to people about Jesus. More and more people, you just talk to ordinary people and they're open to the good news in a way I've never experienced in all my decades of being a Christian. Get excited, believer. We are not San Marino. We are not even Brazil. We are a flipping lot better than that. We're Team Jesus. He's our captain and he wins every time. Even if it feels like we're 5-1 down at halftime, the final score is Jesus wins a massive victory. Come on, let's stand together. Yes, Lord, I pray that not only will we be people who are with Paul say we do not lose heart, but we'll be people who are infectious with passion. Wherever we go, we'll stir others up towards this wonderful gospel that works. Thank you that you're on the move. Thank you for all these new people. Are you calling to yourself? Lord, we pray that we can get involved in the greatest adventure. And right now, just bring before the Lord those people you've given up on. Sure, Dennis must have given up, wanted to give up on his son multiple times, decades. Not for me, Dad. And then, but he kept praying. He kept presencing. Peter was telling me about the amount of times his dad would just find sensitive ways of sharing the gospel. Even he's like, eh, not for me. And then just at the right time, God at his age loses another one. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that for our families, for our friends, for our neighbours, Lord. Pray for schools today across Blackburn. Yeah, more and more and more. And Lord, we're longing to live in those revival days. We, I sense we're moving into them. We're experiencing some of that. But more, Lord, more revival, more breakthrough, more salvation, more glory to you. We're not going to lose heart at a time like this, Lord. We're going to go together hard after you because you're brilliant, Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>